2: Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. You guys can hear me, right? You got me. <laughs> we, had a, we had a problem with that last week, but uh, Circling the Bases proudly presented by NBC Sports Edge. My name is DJ Short and I'm joined here as always by Drew Silva. We are live on the new NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel, also the NBC Sports Edge Twitch page right now. So welcome to our audience there. Feel free to submit questions and we'll try to get to some in the next half hour. So we'll probably go about 30, 40 minutes. We're doing the show Thursday night live. So just in case you're getting this show in the usual podcast form on Friday, just as a frame of reference. As for this episode, we're joined by our old friend Scott Pianowski from Yahoo. Scott, thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it
3: my pleasure any chance to to talk baseball with you guys or you know the the silliness that we'll probably bring in the show later um count me in
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely so we're gonna get into some headlines at the top here uh before getting into some draft day regrets and then we're gonna have a little fun with some music talk since we're all music nerds here we're gonna have a, a brief radiohead power rankings discussion we always gotta rank things like if we're doing a fantasy podcast i guess you gotta rank things so Uh, We're going to start out uh, just kind of talking some headlines. Um, Blue Jays prospect right-hander Alec Manoa made his Major League debut uh, Thursday at Yankee Stadium during a doubleheader. He was awesome. I wasn't able to watch it because I'm blacked out because that's that's really cool. But (laughs) I did see some highlights. I saw some really interesting GIFs of him making Aaron Judge fall over and maybe have the ugliest swing I've ever seen Aaron Judge have, which is cool. Uh, But six scoreless innings for Manoa, just two hits allowed, two walks, seven strikeouts, was really efficient, 60 out of his 88 pitches for strikes, 13 swinging strikes. Topped out at 97.3 miles per hour with his fastball. Got whiffs on all of his pitches. Just looked really, really locked in and good. It's it's always like tricky with prospect pitchers. I feel like sometimes it's a trap, honestly. But based on what we saw today in Yankee Stadium to make your debut and do that, granted the Yankees lineup isn't you know quite what it could be, but still really, really impressive.
1: Yeah, I think I wrote the the blurb when it was first announced that he was gonna be making his debut at Yankee Stadium. I was like, uh ah, probably avoid. That's a that's a tough ask to to put that guy in that kind of setting, but and with his mom there and his dad there. And did you see you saw that video that, that was circling around Twitter? Um, of his mom just crying before he even yeah. threw a pitch and then screaming when he got a strikeout. Yeah, um, he, I, to be honest, he wasn't like totally on my radar coming right. into the year. He had only made six minor league starts, he was what the 11th overall pick in 2019 out of West Virginia. Um, but yeah, he becomes, uh, who was it, um, Andrew uh, Simon of MLB.com who tweeted this out. He, the all-time list of pitchers who've debuted with six-plus scoreless innings as a visitor at any version of Yankee Stadium is Louis Tian of the 1964 Indians, Billy Rohr of the 1967 Red Sox, Vaughn Eshelman of the 1995 Red Sox, and now Alec Manoa of the 2021 Blue Jays. He's... Six foot six, two hundred and sixty pounds. He's a big boy. Yeah, looking like Lance Lynn out there, and I think just the command and what he did at Triple A in only three starts, a zero point five zero ERA, one earned run allowed in eighteen innings, twenty seven strikeouts against sixty six batters faced, three walks. The dude looks ready to me, and he's certainly on my radar now. The big thing for me is. You want to see. I, I still think
3: walks and strikeouts, as much as we have unbelievable metrics and tools at our disposal, walks and strikeouts so, tell you so much about uh, both, you know, uh, predict pro. They tell you what, where we've been. They are descriptive, but they're also predictive. And I love the, the walk strikeout rate today from Yankee Stadium. I love the strikeout rate from AAA. And he's got the body type where you have to ask yourself in a lot of formats where strikeouts are. All over baseball right now, that means we need more of them on our pitching staffs. And you know, in a league where like the Friends and Family League, Yahoo Friends and Family League, where there's an innings cap, you have to be mindful of your pitchers have to get a decent strikeout per nine or a strikeout per inning if you're going to be competitive. So my first question to any pitcher who's coming up is are the strikeouts gonna be there? And I'm not worried about that. And you love that he had the poise to go into Yankee Stadium. Yes, it isn't you know the, the 1927 Yankees, or the 1998 Yankees, perhaps. But he goes in there. The moment wasn't too big for him. He looked poised the entire way. And the AL East is not as penal, as dangerous, as lethal as maybe it was in the past. I mean, you'd prefer a pitcher like this in the National League just for the DH. And the scoring is a little bit down in the National League. But still, there was a time where AL East, I would just walk away from anybody. And I, I think that isn't really the the play anymore so i was very impressed what i saw today as, as drew said the triple a numbers and three starts were fantastic and because the strikeouts are there when in doubt i'm going to say show me the strikeouts because the strikeout rate looks like it's going to sing and he has a body type and an arsenal that looks like it's going to be strikeouts right away i, I think he's usable he's somebody i would play in any kind of a mixed league
2: yeah well, we already have a question here and i'll, I'll pop it up because i i think it's it's relevant to this week right so uh greg has a question i just dropped luis castillo for alec manoa am i crazy i don't know (laughs) what do you say
1: man if this was a 60 game season again i'd be like do it uh i don't i don't have a good read on what's going wrong with luis castillo do either of you two
2: it's not like the velocity's down or anything like that. He's just having a really hard time putting batters away. Yeah. Uh, and I don't I mean I'm not qualified enough to really go in there and see if there's like something mechanical going on or what. Um but it's it's certainly a mystery and also, you know, pitching in Cincinnati, there's, you know, the margin for error is small. So if he's just not locating well, you know, you're going to get hit hard. So I I think on pure upside alone, inevitably I think Castillo is going to figure it out. It's just a matter of sometimes like do you want to deal with the headache of knowing when and when to not start Castillo? Cause sometimes like that is the hardest part of having a struggling pitcher on your roster. It's the frustration of like, Oh man, he struck out 12 guys tonight. He was on my bench. And like, sometimes you just want to get rid of the headache and I can understand that.
3: It can not help him to know that they have a shortstop. He shouldn't be playing shortstop. And I know Castillo yeah. last I checked, his BABIP was unusually high that we know yeah. that, Pitchers do have some ownership of their BABIP, so it isn't completely... You know, if, if I were to pitch in a major league game, my BABIP would be really high because they would they would rack me all over the park. I mean, mm-hmm. I, if somebody's stuff is lacking, sometimes yeah. you're just going to get hammered. But right. here's the thing. I, I don't think... I'd be, I would be trying to hold Castillo a little bit longer. It, yeah. It's hard when you have a player who you don't feel like you can trust. You can't trade him, or all the offers you get are so low, it, it just doesn't make sense to trade him. Yeah. But I will say this. If you never if you look back on a fantasy baseball season or fantasy football any fantasy sport really and you can't point to some regretful moves that you made i think you're playing far too conservatively you can't be afraid to think oh i'm gonna get laughed at or i took this guy in such an early round i I paid for a big price for him in our in our salary cap draft whatever it is that if you think this is the right move if you don't be afraid to do it if you think if you feel look i've had enough of castillo i can't trade him everybody's offering me low ball stuff I think there's something wrong with them if that's your conclusion and you want to do this i'll sign off on it i, I would probably prefer to find a different drop if you had one yeah. and if you don't maybe you just don't make the move but you can't play scared and you can't yeah. play with the idea that oh i'm gonna look stupid if it doesn't work out i i just want to do what i think is right and if your gut is telling you to make this move i'm not going to tell you it's wrong
1: yeah that was going to be my thing the the word dropped i'm like um maybe there's someone else that you could have dropped over Castillo, who you probably spend the top 75 pick. He went, was in, he was in like the thirties in ADP, wasn't he? Oh yeah.
3: That third or fourth round probably. Yeah.
1: He was on the fringe of like the top 10
2: starters basically.
1: Yeah. And I I don't know. That's, that's a big investment to, to just get rid of, you know, two months, not even two months yet into the season. Uh, But I don't know. The problem with pitchers
3: though is um, when they go bad, we always worry that something's wrong with them, that, that, that oh, yeah. we're going to find out, you know, James, James Andrews in July, or the, the or you'll hear at the end of the year, oh, my, my shoulder was wrong all season, or right. but that forearm, you know, soreness never went away. So that's when we look at things we have to play detective. You look at radar guns, and, and you look at um, – sometimes it can be a certain pitch that isn't effective, you know, and, and that can lead to an injury. You have to play – because. There's no reason why anybody in any sport should tell us the truth about an injury, right? I mean, we, we see in the NFL, right? Everybody lies through their teeth on the injury report and in baseball, why, why, I don't know, get your livelihood into question or you, you you have such a short window to be a professional athlete. I don't know what is gained in season telling people the truth about what your physical status is. Then maybe at the end of the year, you have an excuse. So why was your ERA over six? Yeah. My shoulder was barking since spring training, but uh, we're always, when pitchers go bad, we're always petrified. Oh my God, something's wrong with him. He's going to need Tommy John or he's going to need to be shelved for six months or something like that. So this kind of leads into our, our next question here. Uh, generally speaking,
2: at what point in the season or what do you need to see to decide you were wrong about a player in March and move on?
1: Um, seems really case by case. You know?
2: Yeah, of course. Um, I think it's changed a bit though, especially, you know, since we've seen players kind of pop up out of nowhere, maybe they've made an adjustment with a swing, maybe they've added a new pitch. I think it's been easier for fantasy managers to take a chance on, on certain players who are breaking through. And you may be more likely to drop someone who, yeah, in March, you like them a lot or February, but, you know, you see them struggling a couple months into the season and you're like, you know what? I'm ready to go. I'm ready to move on. I think you only stay attached to your sort of March, February rankings for, for only so long. Like you, you cannot run your season that way. Kind of like Scott was saying.
1: Yeah. That's kind of the, the point that Scott was making. And yeah. I agree with that. You, you gotta not be afraid to, to give up on a, I don't know, maybe not a guy you spent a, a fourth, you know, fourth and above round pick on, but yeah, um, I don't know. You gotta be aggressive you know but even in even as we like retrain our minds to a 162 game season you got to stay
2: And it depends on the depth of the league as well like let's say you're in a 14 team league with like five outfielders you can be more patient obviously because a lot more of the player pool has been taken but if you're in a 10 team league just the replacement value is so much higher that you can take a chance on these you know, players who maybe not don't have the big track record, just go for it because if you do drop someone, chances are you can find someone who can do something similar, even if you miss out on them. So. Yeah, that's
3: a great point. Uh, the the depth of the player penetration and the size of your league. I, I mean, any question that we get asked is going to be something you have to season the taste to your own context. But if that waiver wire is rich, I'd be very aggressive. And and like if I was in an eight team or ten team mixed league, I think I would be telling people already to drop Castillo. Uh, for yeah. example, with the previous call. But it's a case by case thing, but I, I think we're deep enough into the season that if there are enough negative signs on somebody, i'm I'm certainly willing to divorce myself from what I thought about them in February or March. And remember, you should always be, I don't know what the exact percentage is, ten percent, fifteen percent, twenty percent. The bottom of your roster is where you really want to sure. be churning and looking for guys who have gotten you know have shown a new skill, added a different pitch. Maybe they have better real estate in the lineup or they have more job security. Things change. And let's not be anchored to what we thought in February and March, because we have information now that I think is actionable.
2: So a quick offer here for our listeners. Don't know who to pick up with Mike Trout on the shelf. Our NBC Sports Edge tools can help you with that. We have all sorts of ways to try to gain an edge in the meantime, with projections, exclusive features, and our new player raider tool, which is really handy. You can use promo code BASIS10 for 10% off any premium subscription for NBC Sports Edge+. Plus can be either monthly or annual and for any tier. It also works across all sports, which is really nice with, with football ramping up really soon. So remember, it's promo code bases 10 You can go to NBCSportsEdge.com premium to get started. And I think what we've been talking about so far kind of s- seeks really well into our sort of main topic here in the middle, which is draft day regrets. And this could be players that you regret either that you drafted or someone you didn't get. So for me, it's obvious who I wish I drafted, and that's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And it's not that I didn't believe in his talent. I think for us, it's sort of been, we knew it was going to happen at some point. It was just so (laughs) hard to predict when. And I think we did that kind of last year and it didn't work out. So going into drafts this year, I was still a little bit like, I haven't seen the proof yet. So I'm not ready to pay that sort of average draft position. So I didn't end up with uh, with him on any of my teams, uh, and obviously I wish that he did because now he's turning into that superstar we thought he could be.
3: He might be the AL now that Trout's out, uh, yeah. along with Otani. Vlad's right there in the MVP discussion. And I agree. I'm with you, uh, DJ. I, I, I don't have any Vlad. I was open to him. I thought I ranked him with, with – I don't have his ranking off the top of my head, but I thought I, – it wasn't like I was – telling people not to draft him. I just feel like other people yeah. were more proactive and they're getting the fruits of his production. And and maybe I was guilty of when he first came up and the expectations were through the roof. And I would see sometimes in his rookie year, he'd get drafted before an Anthony Rendon. And I was just shaking my head like, this is crazy. Hmm. Anthony Rendon has already proven he's an all-star caliber player. Vlad, we think, is going to be that someday. And so maybe I had taken the quote-unquote gains I had with Vlad the last couple of years and baked it into the idea that I wanted to see it. And I wasn't willing to say, okay, this guy could be a league winner, even though I have to pay for a level of production he hasn't done yet. Yeah. I think if you generally don't uh, proactively go after those guys until they've shown you a little bit of a step forward, you'd probably be ahead of the game. But I do want to say one thing about Vlad. We, we laugh every spring, and I say collectively, the, you know, the fantasy industry, the baseball industry, with this whole best shape of his life stuff. But yeah. <laughs> when you have a player like Guerrero, who had two major problems coming to the season – one was his conditioning, and the second thing was he hit the ball on the ground too much. Mm-hmm. And in the in the spring, and I know there's a ton of news and a noise in the spring, and a ton of puff pieces. But the guy did lose a lot of weight. The guy had a different body; you could see it. You, you oh, yeah. had to be, you know, you had to be in the locker room to, to notice this guy cut off a lot of bad weight, and he was get making an effort to get the ball in the air. And at least you could tell yourself a plausible story that this could be a breakout season for him, a yeah. step out season for him. Even if I did that though, and connected all those dots. I still don't think I would have ranked him high enough because I still think he was enough of a shiny toy, even in season three, that some people are going to be like, I have to have Guerrero the year that he busts out. So I don't have any of it. It's a regret. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that I'd play it differently if it comes again. It's fun, at least... It, as baseball fans, you know, like I did, I had some money on the PGA championship. I had nothing on Phil Mickelson at some point. I just said, Hey, this is a great story. I'm just going to enjoy it. That's (laughs) kind of where I am with Vlad Guerrero. I'm getting nothing from this, but he's such a fun player. Obviously his his father was a hall of famer. So I'm just going to enjoy it. Even if I won't benefit from it. Right.
1: Yeah. You're right, Scott, that the commitment he showed to like being a legitimate star athlete with his body, uh, maybe should have been an indicator that he was ready to pop. And, DJ, I remember back to our position in player previews. You were higher on Vlad than you've been since he got all this hype since he came up. And and maybe that just stands to reason as as he becomes a little bit older in age, a little bit more experienced. But um so I I don't think you were necessarily down on him, and I don't think I was either. I, th- I think we, we all kind of agree on that point. I, I, I would be a little bit wary about he's got a fourteen hundred OPS at at Dunedin. Um, yeah. and then they're moving to Buffalo now and probably to Rogers center, maybe in a, in a month or so. Does, I don't know. Does that affect it at all? I, I think sometimes we overrate ballpark factors. I think we put too much right. stock into it, but it makes me think like, I, I know that Dunedin ballparks like on the water and there's a lot of wind and
2: yeah. You know, well, put different. it this way. Yeah. It, you're not, I don't think I, I view him as like not That's legitimate, yeah. but you could trade him for literally anything right now, if you for two to. elite
1: players, you know, like yeah,
2: yeah, if you you could probably get a really good pitcher and you know someone really who could consider, you know, plug a need somewhere else. You could really ask for the moon, and that's and and you're not selling high, you're not trying to pull a fast one. I think he's really good, but you could, I mean, I think he's the number one player in Yahoo right now. So I mean, you could really ask for anything.
3: Yeah. To back up the point that Drew is making, um, you know, I, I knew these splits were jagged. I didn't know they were quite as jagged as they are uh, at home You know, in Florida. Uh, Vlad, 410, 521, 897. Ooh. And on the road, perfectly fine numbers on the road, but not MVP numbers, 277, 382, 489. So yeah. if the Buffalo Park, which I, as I remember, it was a pretty good place to hit, but it seemed yeah. like the need is almost like Coors. East. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's the thing too. When you have somebody who's overachieving, right? You can always put these guys on the block. You don't have to trade them. You can just say, Hey, uh, you know, I'm looking to shake things up. Anybody's available. Anybody's gettable. Even Vlad. And let somebody come to you and see if they'll make a grandfather offer for Vlad. You don't have to make the trade. You don't. You know, when people say they have untouchables, I, I don't think that makes any sense. I will trade anybody because you never know. A lot of times when a hot prospect comes up, you know, when when Kelnick came up. I am in a keeper league and we did field Kelnick offers. We ultimately decided that we wanted to have Kelnick. He's had kind of a, a checkered beginning, although he's hit a couple of home runs. He's still in awesome bases. Games. I think he's going to be fine. Bad games, yeah. yeah. It never hurts. If there's a player that you know your opponents have a sweet tooth for, it never hurts just to make them available. And you never know when somebody might just decide, you know, I just have to. Maybe the guy who had Guerrero the last two years in your league doesn't have him this year. It's driving him crazy and he backs up the truck, and then you know Guerrero levels off a little bit when they go to a different city. So just be open-minded to that. It's all about the values and the relative values and the perceived values in your league. And just because somebody right now is the number one player in, in fantasy doesn't mean that he couldn't be traded for the right prize.
2: Sure, absolutely. So, Drew, who's your regret that you wish you drafted?
1: Well, I talked up Kenta Maida all spring um, and rightly so. I mean, finished second in the Cy Young balloting to Shane Bieber last year. But but I also, like, I trained my brain to say, like, don't put too much into 2020 numbers. And mm. and with certain guys, and we'll get into – J.D. Martinez would be, like, my – he's going to be my fear uh, FOMO guy, like a guy I missed out on for the same kind of reason. Um, yeah. but, but with Maida he made certain pitch changes. He – Finally got like a legit rotation role where they weren't going to mess with him and put him in the bullpen for a bit like the Dodgers did. With the tw- You know, the Twins were just going to let him be their ace. And he has just not been good this year. Now he's on the injury list with a groin injury that's yeah. going to be longer than 10 days. Um, and the groin injury, if it was like a shoulder or an elbow, I would say, okay, well, maybe he's just been hurt this whole time. And he was kind of, you know, not being vocal about it. Yeah. Uh, but, but with a groin, I don't, I don't know. Had that been lingering? Is that the excuse for the ERA that's above five and the whip that's near 1.50, even though he led the entire major leagues in whip last year? And yeah, the falling strikeout rate? I really don't have an explanation for it. I don't have an explanation for the Twins in general.
2: Um, <laughs> that's, <laughs> but, that's a
1: good point. So, I mean, I, I have a lot of shares of Kent and Maeda. Um, I, yeah. I I don't know if it's a huge regret, but. I I feel like I kind of got way too caught up into what he did over 11 starts last year.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a fair point. I mean, just looking at his baseball savant page, like the average exit velocity against him this year is 90.5 miles per hour. Last year was 85.3, which is top 7% of the league. The hard hit rate was 24.7% last year. This year, 45.6%. So, you know, he doesn't have a lot of margin for error either. He doesn't throw hard. So, if he's not locating well, he's going to get crushed. And that's basically what's happened this year. That happened with Kyle Hendricks for a little while earlier this year. He has turned it around. I think Maeda can be better, but, you know, we might have seen sort of the the peak or the aberration, I guess you'd say.
1: Is it, does it have something to do with the baseball too? I mean, like, could be. I, what I'm interested in with the baseball, and we don't have to get into this, but like, um, the uh, what was the stat? Like we've had the most pitches in the heart of the zone than we've ever then we've had in like four years. Mm-hmm. So pitchers are not really afraid to attack. And if you have high velocity or great stuff, which made probably isn't one of those guys, um, maybe being a nibbler and like a junk baller does not really suit you with this new baseball. I, yeah. I don't I don't think it's fair to draw conclusions about that yet. But it's something I've been kind of thinking about in the back of my head.
3: No, it's, it makes plausible sense as a, th- a working theory. We have to dig in a little deeper on that. I, you know, I've always had kind of a a fondness for Japanese pitchers. I, I, th- I think they a lot of times work around the plate. I was a big Iwakuma fan when he had his run in Seattle, and I thought Maida was going to be in a bunch of my teams. And a, a lot of people just liked him as much as I did. And I only got one roster share, and I feel lucky for that. Yeah. And and look at it, that you know Ryu and and even Kikuchi have outpitched him um, from from his home country. I thought Minnesota had a really good defense behind him. I thought even if he had to pitch a contact, you know, with Simmons at short with Buxton, presumably in center. And, you know, what, what a great story that was before he got hurt. I thought even if he regressed a fair amount from what was probably going to be his peak season, I thought made, was a very safe investment. And, and I'll admit, I'm surprised that he's gotten enough the start, although I think I would hold the course. I think he'd be actually somebody I would actively trade for my regret. I feel like I'm stuck with him. I, before the season, I looked at Cave and Biggio, and, and I know the average wasn't great, but I said, Look, he walks a lot. He's never been caught stealing as a pro or as a major leaguer, anyway. He had power in his game. I liked this Toronto lineup, and I thought this is a way to get access to it. He qualified at a bunch of positions. Now, what's happened? He's striking out. Eight, he went from having a strikeout problem to having a gigantic strikeout problem. Average is, is a mess. Um, he, he hasn't stolen many bases. He hasn't hit many home runs. Right now, he's hurt. And I wonder if. Maybe I didn't put enough stock in the idea that he was changing positions. And sometimes, you know, I wonder if that ties into Suarez, how he's struggling so much in Mm -hmm. Cincinnati. Just the struggle when you go to a new position, especially with Suarez, when you're the shortstop, there's nowhere to hide. You're such an integral part of the team's defensive success. I found myself being proactive with Biggio. And and I thought, look, I don't care. I, I thought I was being smart thinking, okay, so what if he hits 236? The average in the league has come down so much that's not going to hurt me. It might be right now that might be the mean batting average in the yahoo <laughs> Friends and Family League. I mean, we know that yeah. the, the average is, is a real low point right now. The game has changed. I thought he's going to fill the other four categories. I, I love this. And you know, when he started to slump, it, it screwed up his slot in the batting order. I wonder if he's pressing. And now I feel like I'm starting on the IL, which of course, you know, feels like 37% of baseball is on the IL right yeah. now. But so I, I can't trade them. I can't play them in some leagues. I you know I have other guys shuffling in the IL slots. Some leagues they aren't unlimited. So I I feel like I'm stuck with them. And the interesting thing is, I saw Robbie Grossman. I know he he doesn't play the infield. Although BJ is outfield eligible, I thought he had a chance to be kind of a poor man's. Biggio he's actually the rich man's Biggio what yeah. I do now is I have a lot of Robbie Grossman and I just pretend it's Kevin Biggio he's, <laughs> he's putting up the season that I thought Biggio would put up now yeah to be fair I, I didn't you know if I was just convicted of of Grossman I'd have him universally I mean he was a guy who kind of found it late in his career but um Biggio it, it's not just the strikeouts I see him swinging at pitches that are unhittable you're swinging at pitches over his head you're swinging at pitches nowhere near the strike zone and I feel that now that there's a book on him, it's incumbent on him to adjust. And once he comes back, if he doesn't produce right away, Toronto may have the depth to not play him. They could even have the depth to maybe send him to the to the alternate side, to the minors, whatever that is. I feel like I just you know a swing and a miss on Biggio. I think I have to take the loss already, even though we haven't hit June yet.
2: You know what's funny, Drew? Remember we did our position preview episodes, and initially we were like when we did just our rankings, and we we you know, when one through 12 or whatever, I think we had BG like fairly high, but like during the episodes we were talking through it yes. and we were like, I don't know, like maybe we need to move him down. Like we started talking ourselves out of where yeah. he was being drafted. It's interesting how that worked out. It was
1: easy to sell yourself on yeah. him. And then kind of when you dug into the situation and, and his, you know, batted ball data and just the entire profile you were like uh, there's a lot better options even at the positions that he's eligible. Um, yeah. So I, I have no Kevin Vigio, and I, I guess I'm proud of that or something but <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was hoping I was hoping that the walk rate and the strike cuts would bail him out. That yeah. Yeah. even if he didn't have the profile to keep the power, even if the average was kind of wonky, that he would get on base a lot you know would have maybe a 340, 350, 360 OBP. And I think I fell in love with the fact that he had never been caught thinking, okay, maybe at some point they just tell him to run like crazy. Toronto seems like there are some teams that don't want to run in baseball. Toronto's a team that seems open to it. So I think I might have put too much stock in ancillary things with him. It's great that you walk. It's great that you can steal a base. but. Still, what makes you valuable in fantasy is getting hits and putting your bat on the ball. And, yeah. and right now, Bijou can't do that. And I
1: think a lot of it was tied into, oh, he's going to bat leadoff or second. And then they signed George Springer, which was a little bit later in the off season. And mm-hmm. and I mean, he has he's played in four games, so that. Timmy and two Timmy too
3: really, yeah, yeah. two competes for those slots too.
1: Yep. So that so Springer hasn't really been a factor in in taking that the value that comes with that lineup spot. He's just yeah he's been a dud for sure.
2: So one regret that I drafted and actually traded for in a, in a dynasty league this year is uh, Blake Snell. Uh, I thought getting out of Tampa Bay was going to be big for him to kind of push him to that next level where he could be kind of more of that work, workhorse starter. We we knew that the race, you know, took him out early in a World Series game, but that was kind of emblematic of the way that they, they treat their pitchers sometimes. So. Uh, but obviously so far this year, not really working out, even with the new team, four-five-zero ERA over 10 starts, has completed six innings just once, dating back to the 2019 season, actually. I think it was August of 2019 was like uh, before before two starts ago, he completed six innings. But prior to that was like August of 2019 was the last time. And the main reason is not like the Padres being conservative. It's that he is just not throwing strikes. Uh, 28 walks and 44 innings, drafted as a top 20 starting pitcher. I-, I think the good news is that like he's still missing bats, the velocity's there, but he just needs to be more efficient. And until that happens, like I'm not even sure he's a top 30 starter, honestly.
3: I'd go yeah. lower than that. I'm, I'm not sure he's a top 40 starter. I, and as you said, it's not that San Diego's quick hooking him. Snell is making his own problems you can't right. live with that walk rate and you would think with the park i mean we know the, the park hasn't been quite as extreme in recent years but it's still a good place to pitch you get plenty of not only run support in san diego but they have an outstanding bullpen too so they're going to hold your leads for you too it, it's they're one of the best teams in baseball and I, and I can't wait to see what they'll look like in a playoff series with the roster they've built you'd like to think with the walks though with somebody with the, the natural stuff that snell has and we know his upside when he's a sight young award winner You would Mm -hmm. like to think that maybe it's just something mechanical and maybe just a matter of losing confidence in a pitch and get that back. So I'd like to think – I don't have any Snell. Um, It wasn't fading him by any means. just he was a popular player. You can't get everybody. Your opponents Mm -hmm. get to make picks too. This is a puzzler for me because you would just Mm -hmm. think he was going from one really good team in a decent pitching environment to a better – team maybe a better environment now he gets to face the pitcher i, I thought all the lines uh, all the dots connected to snell and exactly i really can't understand why he, he's lost control of the strike zone
1: if the rays trade you you're probably not <laughs>
3: a- <laughs> that's a bad sign usually yeah, <laughs> yeah so
2: we ready for radiohead discussion yeah sure so let's do it okay before we do that a little message for our listeners here this week you have a chance to experience the greatest spectacle in racing it's the indianapolis 500 on nbc 33 of the world's best drivers will battle head-to-head for a chance to kiss the bricks and claim their place in history. Experience the drama, pageantry, and tradition Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern only on NBC. So we saved this uh, end of the show here to go sort of, uh, you know, we only have so much time, but we could probably list all of their albums in our preference but we're gonna go top three each of us favorite radiohead albums this is really hard
1: three is a hard number with this band because i I think two is easy and if you did five it'd be a lot more comfortable but having to pick the third at least for me is a little bit tough um should i go first since i'm sure drew and I'm allowed. I know to- you've been preparing all day. So. I, I told DJ before you got on, Scott, that I didn't prep at all for like the baseball discussion. So, <laughs> sorry if my bosses are listening, but I, I was listening to Radiohead all day, and I went to sleep to them listening listening to them last night. Like, all right, we got to get some thoughts together. Good man,
3: good man. Yeah, when you know, when I still had my baseball podcast at Yahoo, we we had a silly draft segment at the end and I, I always put more time into that than <laughs> yeah. I did. Although I was kind of against doing any research for it. I would just kind of brainstorm it. I'd be driving along and, you know, eating my breakfast, whatever. Yeah. Just kind of, not loud, I, but...
1: I think, yeah, I, I think we probably all agree that too much prep would makes for a bad show anyway. Yeah. You got
3: oh. to be, you got
2: yeah. to trust your own knowledge and just let it flow. You
1: know? So, um, all right. So when I was a sophomore in high school, um, we all got laptops at my high school like like school issued laptops and there was this program called MyTunes, where you could download illegally of course uh, mm-hmm. full full itunes libraries from any computer on the network and it was like a treasure trove of music that i had never heard and i'd heard of radiohead but i had never really delved into their albums and so the first album that i downloaded because i had heard some songs on it was okay computer um and obviously it's a masterpiece it's terrific that's but then um the next album i wanted to like follow their discography and i heard kid a and i was like oh my god they they made an album that was like had some kind of hits on it um and then they came out with this album next that is alien music but it's so beautiful especially you have to listen to it from front to back in my opinion Mm -hmm. Um and so Kid A is my number one it it hit me at the right time when I was like 15 years old just mm-hmm. everything in its right place starting off and right. um, it's just it's just gorgeous so I'm going to go Kid A I'm going to go okay computer number 2 because I have to and then number 3 is really hard Hail to the Thief has has jumped into that spot for me I think it's it's grown on me the first time I heard it I was like yeah what you know this is like just kind of generic stuff, um, but the more you listen to it, and that's kind of Radiohead in general, the more you listen to it, the more you like find things that you love. I would say A Moon-Shaped Pool is climbing though. I was listening to that a lot today and the strings on that and like just the, I don't know, there's like organisms in that album that like just get into your soul. Um, I, I love A Moon-Shaped Pool, which is, I guess that's their latest album, right?
3: Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah
1: in 2016. So anyway, I'm going. I'm going. Um, kid A, OK, Computer, Hailed with a Thief.
3: You know, I think Hailed with a Thief is the album that has aged. It, it's the album that I like the more now than I did when I originally was exposed to it. It's the one that has okay. just kind. Of, I've kind of grown into, and and I think that's a really interesting pick for your third pick. What's fascinating to me is that the, my first pick isn't wasn't even an album that you mentioned at all. And it, it's the Benz is my favorite album of all wow. time. I think it's the best I album. I think I knew ever. that, Scott. Um <laughs> and, and I love that Drew mentioned Radiohead cares about sequencing. I, I don't think I think mm-hmm. we're at an age now mm-hmm. where music comes out a la carte. And I think a lot of artists probably just, okay, I, I put out these 12 songs. It doesn't really matter. You know, you pick, you know, what ones you want to buy, what ones you want to stream, whatever it is. Right. There are bands, I grew up, R.E.M. was my favorite band for a very long time, and they care. There's a a quality to the first song in an R.E.M. album, and there's a quality to the last song in an R.E.M. album. And the order is not just thrown together by happenstance. And Radiohead's one of those bands where I feel like every song on the Benz has to be in the place it's in, especially Street Spirit, the last song, which is like, after you hear that, I I don't want to do anything. I'm like worthless for the rest of the day because it's so (laughs) emotionally draining. Uh, The Benz is my first pick. In Rainbows is my second pick. Um, uh, Very guitar-driven, a very great Johnny Greenwood album, and and a lot like the Benz, although it's a different album. But um, Jigsaw, if if somebody hadn't heard Radiohead and I didn't give them a sampler, I think uh, Jigsaw falling into place would be one of the songs I would say, hey, listen to this. If you like this, you'll probably like Radiohead. I would put OK Computer third. I think it's just a tiny, tiny bit overrated in the sense, only because I'm just such a Benz guy. You know, this this would be like if um I feel like Maddox clearly outdistanced the other Braves pitchers, but there's probably a good Smoltz and, and Glavin debate. And some yeah. people are just gonna say, no, no, it's gonna be Smoltz, and some people say, like, No, 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 it's it's gonna be Glavin. And and for me, I you know, I the Benz to me, I, I just I think because I'm so big on the Benz that I see okay computer as like a B plus A minus album where I feel like the Benz is a perfect masterpiece. So I'm gonna go the Benz first and a clear number one. I would never debate that. In rainbows would be two. Okay, computer would be three, and uh, also receiving votes would be hailed as a thief. You're a
1: you're, you're a Johnny Greenwood guy. I mean, and yes, which, I very much res- so. which I gotta respect. Yeah.
2: So I have probably listened to Okay Computer the most out of all the Radiohead albums, uh, just because I do think it's sequenced incredibly well, and I've always appreciated that. I also think it's kind of like the gateway drug to where Radiohead was like headed, uh, moving from sort of that you know, the Benz Pablo honey kind of being, they fit in well with like the nineties rock sound. And then they, they moved to this new direction. And what Drew was saying, like how kid a found him at the right time. I was a freshman in college when kid a came out and I actually wrote a column about kid a comparing it to, so kid a was the top album in college radio. Like as soon as it came out, meanwhile, in the billboard top, 200 Limp Biscuit was the top album, yeah. and I wrote about how there's this shift happening in, in music, and that Radiohead is like the true best band in the world. I remember writing that. Um, and what I always loved about Kid A, and you're saying how like they're very intentional with sequencing everything in its right place. The first song immediately hit me. I remember at the time because I was like, Where are the guitars? Like, all of a sudden, it was, like, pianos, and I was like, oh, man, this is, like, a whole new world, and there's songs on there that I I guess everything comes from somewhere, everything influences something else, but, like, that album sounds like nothing, at least at the time that I heard it, it sounded like nothing I've ever heard before, so for me, I have to put Kid A number one, because I do think it's, like, a modern masterpiece, Uh, I don't know if it's actually pronounced Idiotech, it might be some, it might be pronounced, like, idiotic or idiot yeah Yeah. Yeah. but that is probably my favorite radiohead song of all time um i'll put kid a number or i'll put okay computer number two just because i've listened to it the most it's kind of like my old reliable and i actually have in in rainbows three and i think you make a good point scott sort of how they brought their sound back a little bit for that album it's almost like sounds kind of poppy at times which i appreciated like, House of Cards is just, like, a really pretty song, which is kind of weird, <laughs> given where Radiohead ended up going. But that album starts with 15 Step and Body Snatchers, which is, like, oh, one so of good. the best, like, one, two to start an album you and, could think of. So And
1: Weird Fishes, too. We're, I'm just like going to say
3: that our Peggy Weird Fishes, Radiohead oh. gets under your skin, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And i know there are probably some people out there who the thing with radiohead is they very quickly became critical darlings and there's a little bit of trendiness to the band and i think that probably turned off some people who just got sick of hearing how wonderful this band was and how Mm -hmm. much the critics adored them and and sometimes that can block you from maybe exploring something so if anybody's listening thinking oh yeah radiohead they're just overrated trash just you know someday when you're alone just pop in any of the albums we listened to we, we mentioned we mentioned probably five or six different albums here and just listen, just all I ask is by yourself, listen to it A to Z. You, know, you have a long drive ahead of you, okay? Just listen to the album A to Z, and you decide what you make of it. Because I think even the Radiohead albums I don't like as much as as the primary albums that I like more, I, I still, they still get under my skin. They still affect me. They still make me think. They still bring out emotions in me that, that I maybe didn't even know I had at the moment. I It's such powerful, thoughtful, uh, cohesive music. And I just, if if you, if you're on the fence on this band or if you, you got sick of the hype and I get it, we all get sick of the hype, but you know what? I was sick of the hype of Vladimir Guerrero jr. And right now I think he's the best player in the American <laughs> league. So, God, um, bringing it all back. Bring way it to, all back. So way dude, just
1: tie it all around. What
3: a just pro. give him a chance. If, if you know, <laughs> all I ask is pick any of these albums, listen to it A to Z. If you don't like it, if it's not for you, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think they might surprise you if you haven't really given them a chance, especially again, sequencing A to Z. I. I could only imagine Airbag being the first song on OK Computer. I could only imagine Planet Talix being the first song on the Benz. It's just a very thoughtful, thoughtful band. And I'll throw one other thing out. If you like the Smiths at all, even if you don't like the Smiths, on the internet you can do a search and find the Radiohead covering, my favorite Smith song, The Headmaster Ritual. Mm -hmm. It's just fantastic. I wish I could find a way to get that on an MP3. But um, check that out as well. It's just one of my favorite uh, Radiohead Rarities. They also do a great rhinestone cowboy cover. It sounds like it might be silly, but it's actually quite good.
2: Awesome. Well, Scott, thanks for coming on with your your baseball and music insight. This was a ton of fun. Anything you want to plug before we wrap things up here?
3: Sure. Um, just uh, I'm over at Yahoo Sports. Uh, I'm still writing Closing Time a few times a week, and um, you know, we have uh, Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast, which is a football podcast. If you want to play fantasy football at Yahoo, be happy to have you over there sign up you know sign up with the roto world stuff get the intel and then go beat all your friends at yahoo that's what i say and, and if you all follow me on twitter scott underscore Pianowski.
2: Awesome. Well, long way to go this season, so I'm sure we'll we'll have you back at some point. We'll think of another music discussion to, to have at the end. As long as it's not Limp because I would have
3: nothing to contribute no. that. Discussion. Let's just nah,
2: keep going nah, on
1: Radiohead for a while. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: uh, if you like what you're hearing with this show, Circling the Bases, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review if you don't mind. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Silv.
0: So, set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects
1: done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.